is this is a football podcast, man. Meat, football, good. Man, we talk football. Meat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh Johnson and Ben Watts back in the driver's seat with you. We're talking fantasy football. We're talking about what we learned from this fantasy season this past year. Ben, my good buddy, my good pal, how you doing? What is happening? I'm doing good. Doing good. Any uh, any crazy life updates or anything? Anything fun? Uh, no, nothing. Nothing major. That's great. All right. Well, I'm trying to think. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. My life is really boring. (laughs) What have you done recently? Uh, I did get a new truck. Hey, oh. Yeah. Sold my Subaru. Hated to sell the Subaru, but I had to do it. Had to do it to get the, what was it, Tacoma? Yeah, I got a Tacoma. You got to do what you got to do. Had to happen. So, I guess in more fantasy related news. We've That's got. What this about. No, this it's not about your Tacoma. Even though we know you love it, it should be. I mean, it could be. So, I mean, I could talk about it the whole show. <laughs> so we've got. Uh, we got really what we learned this fantasy season on this episode. We um, typically, I think, after every season, you get a little bit of time to debrief and sort of reflect on what the fantasy season gave us, and then in that time, you sort of try to find you evolve trends. as a fantasy player exactly you grow nurture your fantasy game well i guess in your case it is I'm, your child but uh i'm trying to come up with big words here <laughs> i want to sound smart for the people did you flip out your little mini dictionary or something no dude this is all off the top of my head off the dome this is i'm smarter than people think i am <laughs> That's what everybody says, Ben. And people don't think I'm that smart, though, so it works <laughs> out. Um, I think with the end of fantasy seasons, you get an opportunity to try and like project what will happen going forward, at least in the fantasy landscape. And this year, it may not have felt this way, but at least from my perspective, it feels like it's seasons of change coming in, at least for the next few years. Um, yeah, maybe it's with the incoming draft classes or maybe it's just how certain positions have sort of morphed as the NFL has changed. Fantasy has kind of adopted some change as well. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about some, I guess, strategies and just like general roster building techniques that we personally are going to try and implement going forward. This is really like, it's more of a dynasty episode because I think it's just looking at like roster construction and, um, you know, roster strategy, things like that. And I think I think part of this will play into redraft too is the, the strategy's changing. It definitely is. And, uh, you know, I was more successful in dynasty than redraft this year, but I was starting that's, to... That's me every year, dude. <laughs> I mean... Fair I don't enough. care about redraft leagues. <laughs> You're just trying to win the dynasty leagues, trying to take home that yeah. money. Um, I think I was definitely thinking about some of these things. Like, okay, low-hanging fruit. It it seems like 
wide receivers are the future of fantasy football roster constructions, having elite well, wide receivers instead of investing early in running backs, I guess is where I'm going with that. Well, the N- the NFL is it's a quarterback's game, and who's the running make of the quarterback? It's the wide receiver. So running backs are great. It's still one of the most. It's still uh, you argue you can argue it's the most valuable position in fantasy. We're probably going to argue against it, but I mean that's not to the demean the running backs. But I think just the wide receiver is more valuable now because of the way the league is so quarterback focused. Yeah, and there's obviously a couple running backs, a few, a handful, uh, that are absurdly valuable, disproportionate to even other running backs. Right, but it's not like there's 10, 12 guys. It's like five. You used to would see an entire first round of of fantasy drafts would be all running backs. I mean, there would be... And a a good portion of the second round. Yeah, and it's still... I think it's still going to end up being that way a little bit. But if you approach your drafts with a maybe not a zero running back approach, but like a hero running back or, you know, something like that, I think you're going to end up stacking wide receivers. And if you if you get like three top 15 wide receivers or at least projected top 15 wide receivers, that tends to be in a PPR league a recipe for success. And in the past, zero running back has been something that people have been hesitant to try. But because we've been getting running backs off the waiver wire or in later rounds that have smashed and been incredibly valuable, I think it's okay to really invest in wide receiver early um, and then try and hit the waiver wire early or target a few running backs you think will be really successful in like the fourth fifth rounds um and and approach it that way yeah i mean and this year this isn't uh to say like there weren't guys who performed better than their adp because you had guys like josh jacobs um and you guys like that i'm blanking on other names but josh jacobs stands out as a guy who way outperformed his ADP, but I'm thinking talking about guys who matched their ADP, guys you drafted high and performed that high all season. And there's only a handful that really did that. Um, Eckler, CMC, Barkley, and Henry gave you good value for where you drafted them. And those those are the only running backs that I can think of that did that. Dalvin Cook disappointed you for probably where you drafted him. Joe Mixon, disappointed for where you drafted him. Jonathan Taylor, really disappointed for where you drafted him. Uh, DeAndre Swift, really disappointed for where you drafted him. Even guys like um, Travis Etienne, he, he kind of came to life later in the season, but started out way slower than you wanted to for where you drafted him. Cam Akers, disappointed for where you drafted him. It's just a huge list of running backs who disappointed at their draft capital, and it's such a small number that actually – gave you value from where you got them. And I feel like that's just just wasn't the case for the receivers this year. Outside of Cup getting injured, he was still performing for where you drafted him. All those guys were great, and they hit. Yeah, I mean, obviously Cooper Cup got injured, but before the injury, he was like the wide receiver one. So he was, he was giving you what you wanted in your wide receiver spot. And those wide receivers we drafted early performed well, like, you know, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, 
Um, yeah. Outside injury, I'm, you can't predict that. So I'm sorry, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, But I think it's just, it goes to show like the elite receivers, pretty much all of them were what we thought they were. I'm, you know, like A.J. Brown was better than we thought. Jalen Waddle was better than we thought. Um, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb was better. Yeah. There were, you know. Tyreek Hill was way better than you thought he would be. Yeah. I'm trying to think of guys that really weren't great and you drafted them early. Uh, like, I don't know, Mike Williams I mean, even maybe, a, but. I mean, Mike he was Williams, in the fourth Cortland round. Sutton, uh, Judy, all disappointed. But they either had injuries or. Their quarterback absolutely flopped because Russell Wilson disappointed this year. Um, and you were taking them in the fifth round, else. honestly. So, I mean, they even, weren't... Even wide receiver... Yeah. They they were not like the... They weren't those like first two rounds, elite of the elite, that you're projecting to be, you know, the studs. Whereas with the running backs, because injuries are so prevalent, you'll have... Like Brees Hall, for example... For the first six weeks of the year prior to his injury, I mean, he was incredible, and you were thinking that drafting him in the third round was going to win you a league, but then he tears his ACL and he's done. Javante Williams, you take him in the second round, he looks okay, tears his ACL and he's done. Um, You know, J.K. Dobbins from last year, he wasn't anything good to write home about this year because of the ACL a year ago. So, like, these running backs are getting hurt left, right, and center constantly, and therefore they're not returning value on that investment whereas wide receivers don't get hurt and the nfl is pivoting towards more of a passing league and therefore pass catching options running backs who catch passes and wide receivers are where you want to invest your fantasy uh you know cash those chips if you will yeah and even you know wide receivers who were kind of hit and miss and more um, more injury prone, like say a T. Higgins. Um, he, the games where he was healthy, he only missed a few. Uh, finished at wide receiver eighteen. You know, you were taking him in the third round, and I feel like you still got pretty good value because he was a little bit injured too. But when he was on the field, you know, he was scoring nineteen to you know anywhere between fifteen to twenty points a week. Yeah, yeah. I so I guess to boil that down, it is. Wide receivers, I think, are going to be the backbone of a lot of fantasy teams going forward. In dynasty leagues, I'm approaching it this way. Still, running backs are important, and you need them to compete. But I do think that you shouldn't rely on your running backs unless outside of a, of a couple situations. There's one league that we're in where it's one quarterback, you have one flex, half PPR. And I think in that league... It is, running back is still king there. Running back is still very important, but you have to have two really good wide receivers um, just because, you know, the way the... Even that league we're in, that league has been won on the back of wide receivers more often than not. Yeah, it's really about having running back depth more than it is about having the elite running backs, if that makes sense. I mean, the, the, the crazy ones like Eckler, CMC... Uh, Dalvin Cook a couple years ago obviously those guys won championships in that league but um, beyond those guys like the guy who had Saquon Barkley this year in that league you know he he went like five and seven or something so just having these guys doesn't mean you're going to win the guy with Derrick Henry in that league he was terrible so didn't make the playoffs didn't make yeah so normally in a league like that having one of those elite running backs just means you make the playoffs and that's 
not necessarily the case. So I, I still do think, you know, in that league, you want to have running backs. It's very important. But as more of a blanket statement, you want to invest in wide receiver uh, and, and find ways to get those elite wide receivers uh, that are in their prime. Yeah. The other takeaway that I had from this season is that even, even the wide receiver conversation aside, for me, the dynasty building blocks going forward, and it's because of positional scarcity, it's quarterback and tight end. Like you have to have a really good quarterback and one of those three or four tight ends that's elite. Otherwise, you're just you're starting from a place of disadvantage in your dynasty leagues. Um, this is especially true in super flex leagues where the quarterback scarcity is just a little bit more obvious. Quarterback is king. Right. Uh, but even I think in one quarterback leagues, you still need to be getting elite production from that one quarterback. It's just harder. Like you start, you're starting off on the wrong foot, I guess. Uh, if, if your quarterback even, is, you know, like I, I'm trying to think of an example of a team um, in our leagues this year that just didn't have the quarterback production and it really hindered them kind of thing. I'm thinking of, you know, our one quarterback dynasty league we're in where, um, you know, the guys who made the playoffs with the exception of one all had elite quarterbacks. You know, it was Josh Allen was one. Um, one guy had Lamar. And even when Lamar went down, uh, Trevor Lawrence was performing really well at the end of the season and he had him. Um, another guy had Jalen Hurts. And the only guy who made it and didn't really have good quarterback play, he had Brady, I think. And But he had also had like Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, a bunch of guys who were awesome and it kind of carried him into the playoffs that way. Yeah. So, yeah, even in one quarterback, I think it's the focus of the NFL in general is led to the even their quarterback is more valuable than it used to be. And even more than that with tight ends, <clears throat> there's only a couple guys that even give you consistent production, never mind good production. I mean, you know, there are four tight ends this year that were startable just about every week. And Mark Andrews this year wasn't very good. Uh, but you you could start him every week and feel okay just because other tight ends were terrible. But obviously, Travis Kelsey was amazing. He gave you wide receiver one fantasy numbers. 100 points better than everybody else. TJ Hawkinson was really good this year. Uh, George Kittle was really good because of his playoff run, pretty much. Um, and then you had Mark Andrews. And outside of that, it was like huge stretches massive, of hit or miss. Massive drop. Yeah, it's like Evan Ingram's who had a four-week stretch and therefore finished like as a top seven tight end. Um, you know, you're thinking about like guy Dallas Goddard, for example. He got injured, so he couldn't give you those season-ending numbers that were really good. On a, on a per-week basis, he was pretty good. But if I'm approaching my dynasty leagues going forward, there are probably five tight ends that I want to invest in and that's it like end of list I think going forward if I don't have one of these five I'm trying to acquire them I'm looking at Travis Kelsey TJ Hawkinson George Kittle Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts and if I don't have one of those five I guess you could throw in Goddard um, but I think he is yeah, I, would, I would think Goddard he's very good 
I do think he's good, but his season was cut short by an injury, but he was very, very consistent this year. Yeah, I mean, in, in PPR, he averaged 11 points a game. So that's that's fine for tight ends. Um, so, okay, you throw him in there. Those are the six that I am interested in. But outside of those six, I mean, you got to do the that's math at least there. half of the league that's going to be garbage. You know, flipping a coin between their tight end every week. Right, and even within those six, there's kind of tier breaks where... Uh, Massive tier breaks. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the Andrews, Kelsey, you've got... Hawkinson in there. I know you're huge on Hawkinson. Um, yeah, but there's a there's a tear break, but obviously there's a tear break after Kelsey. I think Hawkinson and Andrews, just based on the target share that they're getting in their respective teams, warrants them as that tier two. And then tier three is a toss-up between Kittle, Pitts, and um, uh, Goddard. Goddard. You could probably yeah. put... Obviously, I'd probably prefer Kittle, but... Yeah, I mean, personal story time here. I had Kyle Pitts in a dynasty league, and I know he's one of those six tight ends that I want, but I had an opportunity to shore up a couple other places in my lineup and get Mark Andrews in the deal as well. And I was like, sure. <laughs> I'll you, te- te- you teared up. I teared up at tight end, and I acquired some other players as well, and I was more than willing to do that uh, with the state of my roster in that league. So I think... In all the leagues you want to compete in, you've got to have one of those six. And even more than that, you probably need to focus in on like three or four. I think um, if you're if you think you're a competing roster and you've got Kyle Pitts and you have an opportunity to move him for one of the top three, I think you do it. Uh, yeah, that's sort of where I'm getting with that. I think if you have Pitts or Goddard, I think you need to probably consider Kittle, Andrews, Hawkinson or Kelsey uh, and really Andrews or Kelsey in my mind I think in your mind Hawkinson's right there Kittle's probably the other one that's like right sort of in that discussion but like not you're never you're not over the he's moon such with a, him but he's really good he's from a real life perspective Kittle is if if not maybe not better than Kelsey but as good as Kelsey because he's just he's an excellent blocker yeah so but that hurt, also hurts his fantasy value yeah and the offense just doesn't target him the way that the Kansas City offense does so yeah. you know if he if he were in a different offense Kittle would be insane um and he's still good because of the offense but he's not elite also because of the offense if that yeah. makes sense and there's also I mean obviously Kelsey has the best quarterback he also has no target competition as of this time. Kittle's got to deal with uh, Debo. He's got to deal with Ayuk. He's got to now deal with McCaffrey as well as just a team that really loves to run the ball. So they're going to use him to block a lot. And obviously his quarterback play is nowhere near as good as uh, Kelsey. Yeah. Final takeaway for me is, and I think this was a little bit different last year. Last year for me, it was add the tight ends when you're ready to compete. I, I think you just need to add the tight ends regardless. Now I am, if you're on that precipice of competing, so in the ideal scenario, you build the wide receivers as the backbone. You go and acquire a stud quarterback, a stud tight end. So now you've got your good wide receivers, your good quarterback, your good tight end. Now's the time to go get the running backs. I think a lot of people end up getting the 101, the 102 in their rookie drafts, and they're looking at running backs like, shoot, I need to acquire the Brees Halls of the world, the Bijans of the world. Yes, you want to acquire them, 
But if your team sucks and you're the worst team in your league, it might not be a bad idea to be trading those guys for some of these other pieces that are going to last you longer and help build up the base for your team. And then when yeah, you're, if you're actually there, if you're in a two year rebuild. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's, yeah, it's if you're two years, two years into a rebuild, you don't need to be going to get Jonathan Taylor. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. By the time you're ready to compete, he's going to be. I mean, and and it is a little different because, like, you know, Jonathan Taylor when he's 25, 26 should still be fine, but that leaves you such a small window to compete. Where if you you need to win that year that he's 25 or 26, because after that it's probably done. Yeah, I'm thinking about the last two years. I'm going to include this off season as well. Now that it's started. With teams that have been right there, and this was the case with the team that I won a championship with this past season, last offseason, it was right there. It was A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb. Um, I think I had, what was I starting at quarterback? It was a super flex league, and I had good, not great quarterbacks. I think it was... Um, I think you had Kyler and somebody. Yeah, it was Kyler and Kirk Cousins. So they were good, not great. Um, I had Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler. And sitting with that team, I got beat in the playoffs. It was a good team. It scored a lot of points, but it just wasn't quite enough. And I was thinking like, okay, A.J. Brown, I'm locking him in. C.D. Lamb, I feel great about him. Uh, But like, where can I get better? I had Hawkinson on that team last year. And if you remember last year, Hawkinson, he was kind of like right outside that elite tight end tier. He was good, not great. Um and so I looked around and I said, okay, I'm going to go acquire Devontae Adams. I'm going to go acquire Travis Kelsey. I'm going to go acquire Patrick Mahomes. Some of these like cornerstone building block pieces. And I'm going to give up these running backs that I've got in order to do it. I gave up Joe Mixon. I gave up Travis Etienne. Um, and then I acquired some running backs as, you know, throw-ins like a Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris, when his value completely tanked this year. Um, I kept Eckler, but... I knew that I was going to have the pieces to compete again. And uh, I think I traded CeeDee Lamb and something else for Justin Jefferson. So it was go in on these elite wide receivers, have them be the backbone of this team, go get the elite tight end, go get the elite quarterback. Uh, And then that team was incredible. And then on the flip side with another team, I got the receivers uh, galore. I mean, it was for a couple of years, I've had great receivers. I've had AJ Brown, uh, I think at one point it was Olave, Pittman, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, like all these guys that are good, but they're not like incredible. DK Metcalf is in there. The team was is right there. It was Brees Hall, Javante Williams, but it just, it needed the extra juice. And that's when I did the Pitts Plus for, I think it was Andrews and Cooper Cup. And then I think I got CMC on there as well. So it was... It wasn't just it wasn't just pits. It was a big trade in there, but yeah, it was yeah. it was mostly picks, if I remember right. But you know, it, it was hey, this team has some of these foundational pieces. Justin Herbert's the quarterback there. I still feel great about him as a quarterback. I needed that elite tight end, uh, and I wanted stable wide receiver play, and then in there as well. Uh, I'm trying to get CMC to kind of help out at running back, but CMC was really and, like you know, the, it was- the third piece there. Yeah, and he was he was on a roster that is, you know, he's he's in the middle of a rebuild and he doesn't need CMC. Right. So that's I think that's how I'm going to approach these dynasty leagues going forward, trying to acquire the running backs once the team is 
sort of there on these rebuilds. I'm not trying to acquire these elite running backs. Uh, There's still running backs that I want, but I'm not building the team around running backs. I'm building the team around the other positions. And then when I'm ready to rock and roll, I'm going to trade for running backs. Yeah. And speaking of running backs. Yeah, let's look at some running backs that could be in different places next year. I think part of this whole conversation is the running back landscape is going to look really, really different next season. And we're going to look at a few guys that could be in different places and maybe some of the ramifications of them going other other places. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm... Obviously, we've been worried about Derrick Henry for, for a couple of years now. And I I feel like the Titans probably keep him, but it also would not hurt them if they got rid of him. I don't we looked at this Ford thing and I I wrote it I didn't write it down for him. I think I'm the Titans right save now. like seven oh you are? I yeah. think they saved like seven million dollars from cutting him. Yeah. The they Titans would. need to just go ahead and sell some guys like Henry and move on and try to rebuild because the Texans they're they're gonna have a new quarterback they're gonna try to make some moves Jacksonville looks really good so um and the Colts are probably gonna go in all in all in on a quarterback this year so instead of trying to keep up with these teams that are I don't even know if they any of them are Super Bowl contenders but instead of trying to keep up with Jacksonville just to win the division I think they just move on from Henry and yeah, prep, prep for a couple of years down the road. Yeah. I could see that going either way. I don't, I don't know if they'll want to move off. I, him, but I feel like they still keep him, but I, I sure. could see that conversation being had because there's a $7 million savings to be had there. Maybe they just restructure his deal and bring him in at a lower number. Um, and I, I don't know, but I, I do feel like Derek Henry is a candidate to have his contract messed with a little bit or maybe cut I, I it still doesn't sound right but i mean it could yeah other guy here this this, this one i i think happens yeah so you were you brought this up before the show and i didn't realize this but joe mixon could be a major cut candidate this offseason i think i think he's gone i hadn't heard that prior to you mentioning it but then when you look at the numbers they will save seven million dollars if they cut him and they have to pay T. Higgins and Joe Burrow this offseason, which I think and Jamar are, Chase next offseason. Yeah, and I think all three of those guys are priorities over Joe Mixon in the offense. And I if you look at Mixon's production this year, it, it it hasn't been nearly what it was. He's not a very good pass blocker to begin with. So they take him out of passing downs like all the time. Um he didn't even have a thousand yards rushing this year. He had seven touchdowns. Receiving workload was good, um, but Samaj P. Ryan looked just as good as he did um, when he was on the field. So I think for that seven million dollars and a chance to re-sign Higgins instead of letting him walk, I I think Mixon's is definitely gone. Um, like I said, his pass blocking is not up to par anyway. Yeah. I think I think Mixon is is not a Bengal next season. Yeah, I, I think I could definitely see that happening just because of the other situations there, the other cap stuff. Um, that for sure could happen. Another guy that could get cut or you know have his contract manipulated or even traded 
is Alvin Kamara. He's got the legal situation coming down, probably will get suspended for some amount of games next year. We're not really sure. That's kind of just guessing. Uh, But also, the Saints showed this year that they are absolutely in need of some kind of rebuild, and they are cap-strapped. Absolutely strapped. They have no money. They got no money at all, and Alvin Kamara is expensive. Uh, Alvin Kamara is is too expensive, and I, you know, I love Kamara, but the contract he's got is ridiculous. Yeah, so absolutely ridiculous. So he's not a free agent till twenty twenty six, but uh, Spotrac has his potential out being in twenty twenty four. But I do think that they could restructure his deal a little bit because they could add a void year maybe or or something like that. They have done that in the past. He's got a void year in 2026. Um, But currently his cap hit is $16 million for the 2023 season. His dead cap is $19.3 million. So I think that they could add in some void years in order to drop that dead cap number and then potentially cut him or they could restructure his contract and potentially trade him um, and then, you know, not have that dead cap number be so ridiculous uh if they keep him in 2024 they would save seven million dollars against the cap by just cutting him so i think either this year or next year we're gonna see the saints move on from him and because of the legal situation i think that kind of factors in as well where i could totally see them trying to figure out other ways to solve the running back position yeah i don't think they suspend him for a ton it probably the four games or something that they they talked about at the beginning of this year. Maybe they just let it go by the wayside. I feel like we've seen that happen a few times. Like Devontae Adams assaulted somebody in the middle of the season. Just <laughs> it just went away. Yeah. I mean it was a little bit different, so. but yes, that, that did happen. Um a couple other guys that we're not really sure about. Um Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley both seem like they're probably gonna end up where they played this past year. Um, yeah, I don't. I think both of those teams resign them. They they both had had awesome years. Bounce back years for both of them was just great to see. Yeah, yeah, they were both they both were really really good this past year in contract years, and I think that the success that the team had uh, was very dependent upon these two players. So I think. They will get re-signed. It'll be interesting to see what kind of contracts they get, though, because I think outside of the Henry contract, I think everybody, maybe not everybody, but I feel like a lot of people look at that those batch of running back contracts from a few years ago, like the Zeke Elliott's, the Camaras, uh, Joe Mixon's. I mean, they're looking at those guys as cap casualties now. So I wonder how the running back position gets paid going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, and I've heard people bring this this argument up too. Is you know the, the running backs they play super well on these rookie contracts, and then you you give them a big contract and it's well deserved, um, because they played so well. But once you give them their contract, they're twenty four, twenty five years old. Their best football is behind them more than more often than not. So yeah. I, I don't do you pay running backs more to start like do you um 
lower their extension time to where you can give an extension after one year. I don't know. It's it's tough for running backs. Yeah, it's a tough position. But, you know, looking at some of these guys that have done really well for themselves, like Kamara Mixon, they've both made $32 million in their career. Obviously, it's not as much as like a quarterback would make. A quarterback would make that in a single year. But, um, I mean, that's, that's generational wealth. So I don't know that they're necessarily complaining about it per se. And now they're – Let's put it this way. They're doing better than both of us. <laughs> yeah, combined. <laughs> They're doing better than both of us put together for the for our entire careers. Yeah. So that's sort of how we see things kind of breaking out over the next year or so. It's kind of how we're approaching this offseason. Um, and, and this class, this incoming rookie class, even outside of the big names that we all know and are clamoring to get, B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, even the lesser guys in this class are all extremely, extremely good. And this class is very, very deep. And with this just huge influx of youth that's coming with this with this draft, that's going to change a lot of backfields, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Uh, nothing to this. Dope. All right. You want to do our little picks and then hop out of here? Yep, last uh, some playoff picks. All right, first game, divisional matchups. We have the Chiefs and the Jaguars. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come off the wall on this one, and <laughs> you're not gonna see this pick coming. <laughs> Let me guess, you're going with the Jags. I am picking the Chiefs. Oh. Yeah, I would, I would pick the Chiefs as well. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, it's cute. What, what? the Jags did last week to a hapless Chargers team who needs to clean their entire coaching staff out and get Justin Herbert a real coach, but whatever. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen against the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Giants-Eagles, I don't know where you land on this one. I personally, I, I do think the Giants are a good team, but I would go Eagles on this one. Yeah, I think I think this is a fairly close game but I think the Eagles top to bottom are just too good and the Giants can't keep up with them the entire game. Yeah. Bengals, Bills. This, one, this is interesting. I wonder, I, I really wonder where you go here. I don't know. I think I, I do I know. really, I really don't. I If it was, if it was in Cincinnati, it would be different. And I think if, if the Bengals win this, I think they win the AFC. Again, I think they beat the Chiefs next week. But I think the Bills in Buffalo outplay or just can outlast the Bengals long enough. And we see uh, Bills versus Chiefs in Atlanta. I think the Bills win. I think the Bengals win. I I really don't have a problem with either of these teams winning. These are my two of my favorite teams. My two of my favorite quarterbacks, obviously – Josh Allen's my favorite player in the league. But I, you know, if you've listened to the show, I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. Love all those guys. It's so fun to watch them. So I'm okay whichever wins. I'm just hoping for a great game. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will I think it will get a great game. Um, I just – I think I believe in Joe Burrow a little bit more than Josh Allen in the playoffs when it if, matters. If I'm ranking the quarterbacks in the league right now, I put Josh Allen third. So you would go uh, and you know what? Mahomes and – Joe B. Yeah, I would go Mahomes Burrow, and it's it's a very narrow gap between Mahomes and Burrow. Yeah, I mean I don't mind it. I think 
Burrow's got a little bit of that, like, I don't know. He's not. I don't know if he's as talented, maybe, as the other two. But I think he's just got a little bit he's, of that element of the Tom Brady effect. He's definitely not. I don't think. But he is the most mentally strong and not not smarter. But like he just he plays a different game than the other guys do. Like Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, even probably Lawrence are all more physically just better quarterbacks. They're bigger. They've got better arms, and not that you know Burrow's like small or has a bad arm by any means, but those guys have stronger arms than he does. But he plays a more mental game, and he's just a mentally just incredibly tough. There's no situation that he's not afraid of. Yeah, and he already has the best weapons. He he has the best weapons in the AFC. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, no one else in the in the entire playoffs has two wide receivers that are that good. That's a fact. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, last one, Cowboys, 49ers. It's easy. It's the 49ers for me. This is easy. 49ers. Yeah, I, I think that... 49ers in a landslide. I have a feeling that they're going to win the NFC and find themselves in the Super Bowl. Which is... Uh, I, I was actually having a conversation uh, with somebody this weekend, and I... Of the three uh, AFC teams... The big three between the Chiefs, Bengals, uh, and Bills. I think the Bengals, they could be the best. I'm not sure. Just if it comes down to it, I I don't know. I got a feeling Burrow can, can do it of all those guys. But if he plays the 49ers, I think he's the least equipped to deal with that defense. I think the Chiefs and Bills stand a better chance against the 49ers than the Bengals do just because of the, the way the 49ers can rush the passer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could, I can see that, and I, I get it. I think the, the Bengals' offensive line isn't as good as the Bills or Chiefs' offensive lines, um, just with all the the injuries and stuff like that. But that being said, I don't think you would bet against Joe. And I mean, it's oh no, it's I'm Brock never going to bet against Joe. Crazy, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's a Brock Purdy versus Joe Burrow matchup. Obviously, you want the better quarterback in that situation, but. Uh, yeah, the, the 49ers have one of the most ridiculous rosters I can remember. Yeah, I think they I think they kicked the Cowboys' teeth in. I could totally see that. Cowboys, they they played a an I mean, Tampa looks slow. Offensively and defensive, they just do not have the gas to compete with anybody else in this playoff. And it and it showed. So, yeah, it's Hindsight is not surprising that Dallas won, but this is not. This team does not look slow that they're coming up against. This is a fierce 49ers team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think that'll do it for this one. You got anything else? Uh, no. Dope. Thank you, everybody, for a nice pause there. <laughs> a, ni- a nice long two second pause on that. Oh, one. I'm going to interrupt you every time you try to end this thing. <laughs> That'll do it for this one. Uh, We'll see you in the next episode. Have a good one, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers 
podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.